Chapter 38 Nandini the Coquette It was well past midnight and into the third jamam when Periya Paduvetariyar finally returned to his own palace. The west wind whirred through the silent streets, whipping up the fine dust in dizzying eddies. But the storm raging in his steely heart, whirling with a furious frenzy, flung up far more than just dirt and filth. Ah, the things he had said to his beloved brother He wished he had not been quite so brutal now. After all, there was no doubt that his thumbi held him in the greatest esteem, and his accusations, unjust as they were, had been born out of great concern and worry. Still, a vastly suspicious fellow, his brother. Why pile these allegations on Nandini for pity's sake? The pitfalls of human nature, which committed grievous blunders and always sought to escape by making someone else the scapegoat. Such tactics were always used by weak, spineless cowards. But why must Kala and the gun fall prey to the same pathetic ruse? All this after having that rascal of a boy slip through his fingers too. Then he finds a way to point fingers at his Madini, his own sister-in-law, and how this could possibly reflect well upon his courage and personal integrity was a puzzle he could not fathom. What sort of a man even indulged in such things? Well, he had apologized for his unseemly words at any rate. There was no point in dwelling upon that conversation, was there? And yet, could there possibly be an atom of truth to his claims? Had he, after all, fallen for a young, pretty woman at this ripe old age? After all, hadn't he just addressed the harshest words to one who had fought by his side, shoulder to shoulder, in a hundred battles? shrugged off mortal danger to stand by him his own younger brother and all in defense of a girl he had dragged out from a forest was she indeed worthy of such loyalty he knew nothing of her origins after all her speech and behavior it must be admitted were peculiar at times she how can i let my thumbi's heedless words influence me so unjust indeed to suspect nandini's motives Her deep and abiding love for me is evident in everything she does. Witness her mellow speech and the utmost respect with which she treats me. As for wifely duties, was there ever a woman who showed as much interest in her husband's office as Nandini? Why she even troubles herself enough to offer suggestions and comments aiding me in every way possible. Such petty issues aside, How she must have loved me to wed a doddering old man of more than 60 Devendra himself king of the devas would fall all over himself to claim the hand of one so beautiful that she inspires celestial dancers to intense jealousy As for the kings of this mortal realm who might balk at the good fortune of wedding such a sundari Ah the very sundari chorer would have had no thoughts about it had she ever caught his faltering sight and here i am suspecting her ah oh, how incredibly unmerited i have heard tales of course of old men who spent every moment of their lives in hell entertaining unlawful doubts about their wives fidelity i have laughed at such incidents myself and yet here i am caught in the same terrible toils making a laughing stock of myself still it would not hurt to question her about certain issues 
there are a few of her activities that warrant inquiries she wishes me to grant my signet ring often to what end why does she spend so much time in that godforsaken lada mandapam and what of course of that mysterious magician who visits her at all sorts of odd hours and to which she admitted herself why would she need his services anyway whose heart does she wish to conquer that she must make use of such tactics all this aside there is another perhaps the most burning of all questions how long is she going to keep me from her side like a brahmachari yet to taste the delights of marriage every time the subject crops up she conceives a fast or ritual that prevents our union but never not once has she ever explained what exactly the worship entails ah all this does seem very like the cunning strategies often used by wily women who detested their husband's advances well no more of it i have given way to her whims far too much tonight all this and more must be discussed and put an end to come what may periya palavetariyar arrived at his palace entrance to a rousing welcome by his closest aides servants and maids but search as he might swiveling his eyes in every which direction the one woman he wished to see above all else was conspicuous by her absence the ilayarani upon inquiries it was discovered that her ladyship was still in the lata mandapam what in heavens is she doing there well beyond midnight a spark of anger burnt within him was his faithful wife playing him for a fool perhaps had she devised some unique way of ignoring him the willful woman periya palavetariyar hastened towards the gallery not a little peeved by what clearly seemed an attempt by her to incense her lord and master he reached the corridor connecting the palaces in time to see nandini returning maid in tow the moment she set eyes on him she stopped choosing to gaze at something no doubt vastly interesting in the garden shrouded in inky blackness the maid had stopped at a little distance parvetariyar drew close to the ilayarani she continued to fix her lovely eyes upon the dark foliage seemingly unaware of his proximity she neither acknowledged him nor condescended to receive him thus it was that the lord of paruvur who had strode forward with every intention of subjecting his young queen to a furious diatribe found that he had to pacify her nandini my dearest you seem annoyed why will you not look at me my love and he placed his hand strong as a vajrayudham on a slender shoulders gently it must be said his wife grasped his iron like arm and shoved it off her ah could a limb as soft and delicate as the flowers in his garden possibly possess such strength you deigned to push me away with your dainty hands life could not bless me any further my heart's dearest you have accomplished what no warrior from the vindhya hills to tirukonamalai would have even dared to think of that my dear is my greatest good fortune but you have not yet revealed the reason for your anger will you not speak to me pleaded that great warrior veteran of a thousand battlefields 
my wretched ears yearn for the silken softness of your voice more exquisite than the sweetest honey my heart how many days has it been since you left demanded nandini four you've condemned me to four days alone her lilting voice held just the slightest hint of a sob and parvetarier who had wielded a hundred swords and spears unflinching found his steely heart melting like wax in a flame and this is what upsets you my dear one you could not bear my absence for a mere four days but i might have to leave you for the battlefield we might have to live apart for months on end what would you do then you believe me to be a cold-hearted wretch who would stay away from you for months while you went to war perish the thought i shall follow you thither of course like a shadow at your heels <laughs> here is a jest indeed what sort of a war do you think i could wage with you by my side dearest many are the injuries this jest has borne my shoulders have taken more arrows and spears than can be counted those scars number 64 or so many lavish praises upon me but you ah oh, if the tiniest thorn were to prick your exquisitely delicate skin my life then my heart would splinter into pieces it would have accomplished what a thousand battles and weapons have failed to achieve thus far how how could i possibly take you with me into battle i cannot even bear to see you standing all this while on this unforgiving stone floors pray do recline upon your beautiful flower laden couch that i may look upon your exquisite countenance do not think fair one that these four days have wrought anguish upon your spirits alone for i have suffered as well every moment of your absence is an aeon to me but now ah now i may gaze at your divine radiance until i quench my terrible yearning and he clasped her soft hands leading her gently to the saprakuda couch nandini brushed away her tears and glanced up at him the lamp's gentle light caught her lovely face throwing her golden radiance into prominence and the ravishing smile that bloomed upon it the chora empire's danadigari gazed at her struck by the pearls that peeped amid soft coral lips ah were they within my grasp i would sacrifice all three worlds just for a hint of this wondrous countenance but as i lack these magnificent possessions i shall have no compunction in placing my body soul and worldly assets at her dainty feet and yet this celestial maiden demands nothing of me such were his dizzy thoughts as he drank in her lovely form gone forever was any intention of taking her to task demanding explanations or reading her a lecture on appropriate behavior he was now willing and ready to prostrate himself at her feet and carry out the most trivial task slavery of any kind is demeaning but there is nothing that denudes a man of his dignity and senses as mindless submission to a beautiful woman 
You've been away from me for four long days. Why didn't you come home at once? Your brother was far more important to you, wasn't he? Retorted Nandini, her face bright with mock anger, eyes darting lightning looks of playfulness. Not quite, my dear. I did want to come to you, straight as an arrow and true. I was detained, however, by that young idiot, Madhurandagan. I had to make sure he returned home safe through the secret passage. That was why I stayed so long at my brother's palace. I cherish the greatest regard for your abilities, Ayya. I am deeply interested in all your concerns. Indeed, I consider myself fortunate to be involved in any of them. There is nothing I wish more than for you to succeed in your every endeavor. Yet I can't help but loathe the fact that a man travelled in my closed palanquin and that every man, woman and child believes me to be a part of your retinue wherever you go. You do not believe that I welcome such a state of events either, do you? Never. And yet we have undertaken an extremely important task. I shall have to put up with a great deal of folks' eventual success. Besides, surely you have not forgotten that conveying Madhurandagan in your palanquin was your idea in the first place. And was it not you who suggested that he use the secret passage to enter and exit the fort? I did, and in this I believe only to have carried out my duty. Isn't it after all the sacred charge of a wife to aid her husband in any way possible? It's true that I put forward this ruse, but when I think of how it may have acted against you... But that was not all, was it, my dear? Why, I remember well the Madhurandagan of yore, the pathetic boy who smothered himself in sacred ash and spent hours mumbling Om Namah Chivaya over a string of Rudraksha beads, making endless pilgrimages from one temple to another, the perfect son to his equally pious mother. I remember too the monumental efforts we took to persuade him towards the Chora throne, all to no avail. But you spoke to him twice, and he changed his mind in an instant. You might not believe it, but the lad now dreams of an empire that stretches from Imayam to the very tip of Ilangai, from the very heavens to the ends of the earth. Why, he can barely even wait for our efforts to come to fruition. He would like to ascend the throne this very instant. I do not know what sort of spell you wove over him, my heart. And speaking of which, you appear to possess a great many magical tricks up your sleeve. Why do you wish for the services of another? People talk, you see. And it is your divine duty to chop their unruly tongues. I have confided to you before of my reasons for consulting a magician. Should you have forgotten, I shall remind you again. That pretty little snake in Pareyare must be taught her lesson. You are men after all, my lord. You go to battle and settle your differences like warriors. Women, such weak, defenseless creatures. That is what you think. War against one is the height of dishonor to you. And yet, my king, a single woman may wreak more havoc than a hundred men. A snake knows its own kind, and you know nothing of her. But I know Kundavai's evil mind like my own. 
Ah, the temerity of that witch to have scorned both you and me. Such things may have slipped your magnanimous mind, my lord, but it didn't mine. Never, never shall I forget her cruel words as she addressed me in the midst of a hundred women. I shall never understand why you chose to marry that doddering old man. He may have lost his mind in his dotage, but what possessed you to lose yours? Where did your wits go begging? Oh, how can I ignore such vicious bobs? You fairly dazzle our eyes like a celestial maiden come down to earth, said Kundavai. Any prince would consider it an honor to claim your hand in marriage and make you his queen. Why must you choose an ancient bumbling buffalo for your husband, you poor girl? My lord, never, never shall I forget those malicious words, not until my last dying breath. And then Nandini began to sob almost beside herself after a breathless exposition. Hot tears coursed down her cheeks, flowing in a deluge and soaking her heaving bosom.